Hi, friend. Welcome to Holly's Highlights, a podcast designed to encourage, inspire, and equip you to intentionally live your life full of purpose. I'm your host, Holly Kirby, motivational speaker, leadership cultivator, marketing strategist, and personal cheerleader. Let's check out today's highlight. This episode is brought to you by Pampered Chef's independent consultant, Tina Martin. Now, I got to tell you, I love my Pampered Chef products. Mealtime is where we listen, we learn, we laugh, and the kitchen is where families make lasting memories together. Pampered Chef makes cooking easier for all ages, too. So for my stoneware and dessert serving tools, my favorite rapid prep mandolin and the mix and chop, to even my cookware, Pampered Chef has got me covered, and it seems to last so long. Perhaps you're like me, and you just want to add some of Pampered Chef's new items to your kitchen or replace some of your favorites you've had for decades, but you want to do that for free. Well, all you have to do is connect with Tina to schedule your virtual or in-person party. We just scheduled mine the other day, and I am so excited. Also, if you enjoy free standard shipping when you spend 150 or more, now is your time to book. You can reach Tina at 801-703-1081 or go to her personal webpage at pamperedchef.com forward slash PWS forward slash Tina M33. Either way, you've got to check out all Pampered Chef's new amazing stuff to make life just so much easier in the kitchen and therefore around the table too, right? So set yourself up for success with making Tina Martin your Pampered Chef consultant. Last night, I was planning out our meals so that I could go grocery shopping. And I got to tell you, I was feeling a little overwhelmed with schedules. For those who know me, I am old fashioned. So the traditionalist in me values the time around the table at dinner each night. However, with that said, there are some nights that our schedule allow for very little prep time in the kitchen. And let's be honest, We can only make so many things in the crock pot. So I am super excited to learn from our guest today in hopes of gaining some more tips and tricks myself when it comes to meal preps and time hacks. Now, our guest today, Linda Letterman, claims that her cooking skills were so bad as a teenager that even her own family banned her from cooking in the kitchen. Well, with a little dedication, her skills have dramatically improved throughout the years, and she now owns over 1,000 cookbooks. I don't even know where you put 1,000 cookbooks. She is a graduate of Ruby Cooking School and the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, and she also has countless of cooking courses from the International Culinary Center and and Natural Gourmet Institute under her belt. Linda is a kitchen confidence coach and owner of Balabusta's Secret, where she helps busy moms with meal planning, prep, and cooking lessons, as well as coaches them on how to serve dinners with side dishes of games and clever conversations. Now that is speaking my language. So whether you're a novice cook or looking to add some oomph to your dinner routine, we are going to learn so much from Linda today as she is all about making ordinary weeknight meals extraordinary with speed, ease, yum, and lots of fun. Thank you so much for joining us today, Linda. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to speak with you. Now, perhaps what's on listeners' mind is what I just read there, and that is the word balabusta. (laughs) So what exactly is a balabusta and why did you want to become one? Sure. A balabusta is an old-fashioned Yiddish term, which kind of is weird to do for a modern-day kind of woman, but it works perfectly. It translates into a woman who makes a fine home. Now, I am not a Martha Stewart fine home by any stretch of the imagination, 
my fine home is a place where everybody wants to go and hang out and be a part of your family, whether they're related or not. It's the kind of home people go to. They put up their feet. They know they're going to have fun, fabulous food, great conversation. It's the place to be. And you want that not only for your own satisfaction, but you want your kids to feel that their friends can do that at your house. A, it gets you to know who their friends are and what they're up to, but it keeps them, um, it gives you a way to check what's going on. So you want to be the go-to house because you want your house filled with warmth and love. And so to me, that's a fine home. And I've got the secrets to make one as a Balabootsta. That is truly my heart's desire. I've always told my kids, I want your friends to gather here. I want you to always feel welcome to bring them over. So I love that. Now I have a word that kind of bridges that. So thank you for (laughs) teaching me something new right off the bat. Now in a world of fast food and scheduled chaos, why should listeners still be passionate about this family dinner time? Oh, there's so many reasons. I'll start with the scientific ones and then I'll go on to the ones that are really applied to your heart. So the scientific ones are, The research shows that when you have a sit-down family meal, your kids do better in school. They have better communication skills. They have better social skills. And believe it or not, they're less likely to abuse illegal substances. So just for the those reasons alone, it's great. But there's a million other reasons, such as you get to see your kids for such a small period of time in any given day, whether they're at school, you're at work, and Whatever's happening or their extra school activities, the time that you get to spend together is very limited. So dinner time is a perfect time to sit down, let your hair down, relax, find out what's going on in everybody's lives in a fun way, which we'll get to later, um, and get to know everybody and share your experiences. And the other reason is when you're making meals and you're sharing it with your kids and your, your family, you're modeling what an ideal family life could be like. And if you're not teaching them how to cook and how to sit down and have have conversation and enjoy healthy, good food, how are they going to learn how to do that for themselves? And, you know, your goal as a mom, as a parent, as an individual is to create the next generation better than the one you're in, no matter how good you may be. So for all those reasons, sit down family meals um, are really, really important. I love it. That is something that I've always taught my kids and truly in part from my upbringing, we always had dinner around the table, but I've always told my kids that we're not going to live out of the car. Dinner's not going to be, you know, fast food as we're driving here to there. And, And every so often I get it, things happen. That's how it ends up. But I value that dinner on the table. And I think back, again, that traditionalist enemy of, of uh, you know, Little House on the Prairie and even now Blue Bloods. And in fact, my son, the other day, as we were gathered around the dinner table, he said, I feel like we're on the, the set of the Blue Bloods. And I was like, I'll take that as a compliment. That's, you know, that's a great thing. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny. One of the reasons why I started this business, I'm a lawyer by trade, by profession. But I had my kids late in life. And I said, you know, I'm going to take some time to really enjoy the experience. And as I got a little bit older, to the age where they could have friends over for sleepovers and dinners, we'd be sitting at the table with their friends and their friends would say things like, my mom doesn't cook like this. We don't play games at the table. Could you teach her? So even um, out of the mouth of babes, they know that they're missing something when dinner is just rushed and, okay, get the food in your mouth and go on to your separate rooms. They, They know the difference. They're watching for sure. Now, when it comes to that meal planning, where do you advise your clients to even begin? First thing to do is know what your schedule is. 
if you know what your schedule is and your kid's schedule, your partner's, your spouse's schedule, you'll have a better idea of what kind of time frame you have to make a meal. So if I know that I'm going to be working late or my kids are scheduled for some event, I'm not going to plan on making a really intense meal that night. Maybe I'll be repurposing leftovers from the night before. So when I think about a meal plan and when I teach my clients about meal planning, there's a different way for what's right for your lifestyle. There's not one size fits all. You know, you put on those shirts that are one size fits all and they never fit you no matter what size you are. Same thing for meal planning. You know, there are many ways to make it right for you. So know what your schedule is, have a handful of go-to recipes. You can do something called batch cooking, which means you make a lot of one ingredient and then reuse your leftovers in a different way another day. So you're not cooking from scratch every day. So when you're meal planning, you're taking a look at your time frame. Let's see what we need to use up in the refrigerator. What's going moldy in the freezer? What's What spice hasn't I used for a really long time in my pantry that, you know, it's just got to get out of there already. Um, so you, you're going to look at all those factors, plan one or two dishes to begin with for the week. And then maybe you can figure out how to repurpose them for two other nights. So now you're not cooking from scratch every single night, but you're making meals every night. And you're also not only getting rid of your food waste and your food, you're not wasting food and you're reducing your food cost because there's no waste, but you're providing variety because you're learning how to repurpose those meals for something totally different. Oh, that makes sense. Those sound like really easy meal plan hacks of, of doing that batch cooking or, or preparation. Any other easy meal plan hacks to get dinner on the table fast on those? I would typically say busy week or weeknights, but anymore, it's weeknights, weekends, and every day. Oh, sure. There's, there, there's a million things you can do. You can do a sheet pan dinner. So if you chop your vegetables and you have to just know what size vegetables you need relative to the size of protein you're putting on your, your sheet pan, you could do a sheet pan dinner in 15 minutes with your protein, whether it's going to be chicken, whether it's going to be, I'll give you an example. It might be easier to do this way. So my kids love a spicy Asian meatball. Sometimes I make it with ground turkey. Sometimes I make it with um, ground chicken. Turkey and chicken are pretty healthy proteins. Sometimes I'll make meat and pork, whatever it is. Really, really simple to make. It's with ginger. If you've ever heard of lemongrass, you can put some lemongrass in there if you know what that is. A little soy sauce, a little sesame oil. We put in sriracha. You could put in an Asian spicy chili paste, whatever you want. And you just make the meatballs and put them on a sheet pan and you bake them for 15 minutes. It's done. I mean, 15 minutes. It's really not a long dinner. And what I'll do is I'll make rice noodles. And rice noodles, um, you can buy them in just about every grocery store. You cook them by boiling water, boiling water over them. Now, that's really, really easy. If you want to add a sauce to it, you can add a peanut sauce, like a pad thai sauce. And that's just peanut butter, a little soy sauce, a little sesame oil, and a, a splash of orange juice. That's you have a peanut sauce now with your noodles, and you have the meatballs. So that would be your dinner for night one, Okay. Now make a lot of meatballs, that's called batch cooking. So you have some leftovers. The next night you can take those leftover meatballs, crumple them up, add a little Husan sauce. Again, it's a very, very common Asian sauce you can buy in just about every grocery store and serve them in a lettuce leaf. So it's almost like a lettuce wrap with crumpled meatballs, but now they have a new flavoring in it because you added the Husan sauce. And you could serve it with bok choy, which you could steam or microwave in two minutes and add some garlic to. So again, that meal 
took you no time at all. And that's already two meals you've made in the span of a half an hour at best. For the repurposing. I love that. Just the other day, I was seeing the sheets cooking or, or however the term that you just used for, I had never done that before. So you've just sold me on that. I, I was looking through different recipes for that. And I thought, okay, maybe I could try this. Maybe I could do this at 15 minutes. I'm sold. Absolutely. So that's awesome. You know, and we'll, we'll talk about this a little later. I do have um, an ebook for your listeners called one uh, easy one dish dinners, and you'll find a bunch of uh, sheep pin recipes in there as oh. well. So now I the easy to make, but clean up is simple because you don't want to make a meal, even if you can make it fast, that you need 20 dishes and pots and pans because then you're taking all that time to clean up afterwards. And trust me, you'll be miserable. So my my way of teaching people on what to do is easy, delicious, fun cooking and really easy cleanup. Oh, I love it. I love it. Now, my kids and I were staying with some friends over the weekend. And I tell you, the lady had everything laid out ready for us to build our hamburgers in no time flat. It was as if the items just suddenly appeared already for our taking. So she had obviously done some of this, like the pre-cut and washed everything well in advance to actually needing it. But what other time savers are there for meal prep? Okay, so... If you know or have a good idea of what you're going to be making for that five-day weekday stretch, and you know that one day, whatever recipe you're going to be cooking needs onions, and you know later down the week, another recipe is going to have onions, um, cut them all at once. And they can just parcel them out in baggies or containers for your refrigerator, because it really doesn't take a whole lot of time, more time to, to chop two onions than it does one. But if you're going from scratch each night and you're doing it, and then you're cleaning up after each time, that's twice the work. So if you have a global perspective, basically, of what you're going to be doing for the week, you can prep some of your items in bulk. Another thing that I love to do is I make a salad the day I buy my fresh veggies. So a lot of people say, yeah, but it lasts two days. What's the point of that? Right. So I'm going to give you a trick to make your salad last. And I'm going to, then I'm going to give you an ideas on how you can reuse it during the week. OK, so I take a big Tupperware. I line it with paper towels. Then I put in my lettuces. I like I like a lot of vegetables in our salad. So I'll put in celery. I'll put in red cabbage. I buy my carrots already, you know, sliced really thin. Uh, or shredded, um, I'll put in maybe pea shoots, whatever I want. And then what I'll do is I'll put another paper towel on top and then I'll cover it with whatever Tupperware top there is. Don't put any of your high moisture vegetables in there. In other words, don't put any cucumbers, don't put any tomatoes in there because that's going to make things wilt because it's going to be too wet. But the paper towels will absorb whatever natural moisture are, is in these and um, keep it fresh. And that salad will last you over a week. So oh, now wow. you're, yeah. So now you're not putting, you're not making a salad every night. You know, if you're stressed for, oh my God, I didn't have a vegetable. I got to give them a salad and you're doing all that stuff. No, you, it's already made. So this is how I use that big container of salads. And I really make a big one. So one night we'll have salad as a side dish with something. I can use the same salad as toppings on my kids' sandwiches for lunch. So now I'm not taking out the lettuce again and cutting it or anything else. I'll just take a handful of the salad and put it on the sandwich with whatever things I have on the sandwich. I can, for lunch, I could take that a chunk of that salad and put in leftover fish from the night before for a lunch or leftover chicken, whatever I want. Let's say one night I'm making tacos. Now, when we make tacos, I always take a lazy Susan and on it, I put, you know, the shredded Cheshire cheese, the tomatoes, the onions, blah, 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 blah. 
the lettuce. Well, instead of doing all that, take your handful of set your salad. It's got your it's got everything in it, but your tomatoes and avocado. So now you're just cutting tomatoes and avocado. It's simple. You're cutting time down tremendously with a little bit of planning. Yeah, so smart. And not only is it so smart in that time prep, but then also eating healthy because if it's already done for you and you're just you're more apt to eat it, you're going to go for the salad. Exactly. So. Oh, so smart. Now I used to pre-make dinners with my mom, like five to seven meals at a time type thing. And then we'd freeze them for those nights. We just needed to throw a good meal into the oven for dinner. So walk us through how to prep for freezer meals. And, and I'm not talking the store box kind. Uh, absolutely. Don't talk that store-bought kind. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's some foods that freeze really well and some don't. Some things that freeze really well that will cut down your evening cooking time, sauces. You can make a pesto. Um, I just, in fact, I just did this the other day. I made uh, chicken breast with panko on top of it, with pesto on top of it, wrapped it with turkey bacon, and then baked it. And it came out really great. I have leftovers tonight. I'm putting that in a pesto pasta. That's, again, another way of repurposing and doing something. But I digress. So I made a whole lot of pesto. So now I made it for the chicken. I'm going to use it for the pasta. And I'm going to freeze the rest. And when you freeze it, you can freeze it in an ice cube tray with a little bit of olive oil on it. So now they're individually portioned. Let's say you just wanted to add some vegetables that you roasted. Take out a pesto cube. Boom. You've got a new flavoring. um, And you didn't have to cook it. So it's great for sauces. If you're going to make a big batch of tomato sauce, freeze some of it. That freeze is really great. I love freezing stews. I love freezing soups. I think they all come out terrific. Um, not so big on freezing cooked vegetables. For me, they always come out soggy afterwards. And if you're going to serve your kids soggy vegetables, they're never going to learn to like them. You know, it's got to be fresh and flavorful for them to say, oh, yeah, I like broccoli. You know, not not the not the soggy kind. So if when you start learning what you can freeze, go for it. A couple of tips about freezing: try to put your goods in portion size containers. You know, if you're making a huge batch of, I make a, a seafood stew like a um, with all kinds of fish and really really fun. But then I'll um, put it in the freezer with enough of a quantity to make for another meal, but not enough of a quantity where they have to eat it for three more days, you know, so portion size your containers, date your containers. So, you know, when it was made and how long it's going to be fresh for. And the other thing I would do is label your containers, because if you've ever tried to figure out what's in your freezer that you had in a Tupperware, they all mostly the same. And I'll say, geez, was that fish broth? Is that chicken broth? Which may make a very big difference depending on what you want to make. So (laughs) the date portion size and label what's inside it. All right. Now, when you talk about labeling, is there a certain time frame that we need to use that stuff by? Is it different for meats and sauces? It, it's different for a lot of different things. Um, some things can last six months. Some things can last an eternity. Um, sometimes they can last for six months and you could eat it nine months later and you're fine. <laughs> you know, I mean, there, there, there are guidelines for that. So everything is really very different. I had never heard about the ice cube tray trick before. That's brilliant. So I'm adding that definitely to mind for putting the the sauces and that being able to, to just pop down a cube for different things. That I never- not, not only sauces, but you could take, if you're making a batch of chicken soup, you could put chicken soup in those cubes. So when you're, let's say you're sauteing vegetables as a side dish, 
saute it in a chicken cube and that's going to give a tremendous flavor. And again, you're just popping the, the ice cube, the chicken cube out of the tray you already made. Wow. That is seriously like a light bulb moment for me. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> a friend of mine taught me years ago to put a wooden spoon over a boiling pot, like for when I'm making spaghetti and such, and that it, then it wouldn't spill over. So I was shocked with that as well. That was another light bulb moment for me. So what other hacks like there are, are there out there such as that? That is probably my favorite hack of all time because <laughs> it's so not intuitive and it right. works every single time. Right. I have so no idea why. I yeah, my wooden just... spoon last time though broke and it the, like the wood went inside my pasta. So I had to dump everything. So the oh. time that I, I wasn't so pleased with this hack, but I'd probably <laughs> use that same wooden spoon too many times. Yeah, I, my wooden spoon, spoon is uh, very thick. So oh. it's not going to break, <laughs> but it, it's warping on the sides a little bit, <laughs> you know, because wood's not supposed to get that wet that often. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I would say things that I use to save time. Um, I have a zester. It's called a microplane. It's a zester. And I use it to not only zest my, my lemons and my limes and my citrus fruit, and I want to add a nice little pop to my food. I'll zest sometimes my ginger on it, or I'll zest my uh, garlic on it if I want something really fine. And this way I'm not chopping, 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 chopping. So that's really good. I also have a um, a microplane um, blade and it slices everything in seconds. They're, they're like 15 bucks. I mean, you can buy them in Bed Bath & Beyond, on Amazon, wherever you want. And I put it over. So when I'm making those salads that I told you about, I'll put it over the salad. I'll take a, an onion, cut it in half, and I'll just chop, 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 chop. My onions are sliced in about five seconds. I barely have time to cry. And I cry every time I cut onions. It's that <laughs> fast. So I do it for a lot of my vegetables. You can make, um, instead of making potatoes one night, use that kind of um, contraption to make potato quote unquote chips. So now you're making really healthy chips instead of a baked potato every night or however else you're doing it. You're adding variety. You can flavor it with whatever you want. Garlic potato chips, you know, sea salt potato chips, whatever you want. Um, but it, you're saving time tremendously by just using this handy dandy, cheap, cheap, cheap tool to get all your chopping done quickly. Slicing, more more slicing. Right. That makes sense. Now, this is all great info, but for some of our listeners, I'm sure they're a little stressed out about actually the grocery shopping trip. So any tips on, as you would have said before, becoming a grocery shopping ninja? I like your phrase of that. <laughs> Absolutely. First of all, go with a list, because if you think you're going to remember it, I guarantee you, you're going to forget it. So even if you just have a vague idea of what you're going to be cooking for the week, try to think it out. When you make your list, just don't write it down by um, inspiration. <laughs> you know, oh, I have an idea. I need this, 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 and this. Do it by categories because grocery stores are organized in a certain way. As a general rule, the produce are, is on the side. The fresh foods are on one side of the store. So when I go grocery shopping, I like to start there because the bulk of my food shopping is with fresh foods, fresh vegetables, fresh fish, maybe some fresh chicken or, you know, um, meats, but I'm always on the fresh stuff. So on my list, I will have a category for my fruits, vegetables, and herbs. So I'm also not going from aisle A to aisle F and go, oh my God, I have an onion on my list. And then you go all the way back. So if you organize your list, by aisles or by like-minded foods, your shopping time is going to be drastically reduced. I love structure. 
<laughs> it makes it makes a huge difference, and it kind of forces you to think things out. Another thing I would say is before you go grocery shopping and while you're making your list, see what you have, because I guarantee you there's more than one of us out there who has probably three jars of minced garlic. Because every time you go to the grocery store, you say to yourself, "Geez, do I need that minced garlic?" <laughs> you know, and then you buy it, and oh look, I have two other jars. So look and see what you have. My rule of thumb is for cooking and meal planning and everything else, know what you have, know what you need, and then most importantly, know how to use it. Because you don't want to buy one thing on an inspiration, make it, have plenty left over, and then you don't know what to do with it for anything else. And that's how sometimes your kitchen gets cluttered with all kinds of ingredients that you don't remember what recipe you used it in and how you were supposed to use it. So know what you have, know what you need and um, know how to use it. Another good thing, a rule of thumb, is to um, have a set of go-to quick recipes you know how to do. So on those nights when you're running really late, you don't have to think. If you know that pasta is a good go-to for you, always make sure you have pasta in your your pantry. Um, If you know that you like to make tacos all the time, make sure you have your taco seasoning or the ingredients to make a taco blend. Good tips. Good tips. Now, bringing that back around to the dinner table, one thing my kids and I do at dinner every night is talk about our days, but we do so by asking what was our worst part of our day and then followed by what's the best part of our day. And I I try to teach them specifically in that order so that we can look at, you know, we all have things that are going to get us down. We all have those rough patches of the day, right? But we end on that good note as there's always something to be thankful for those best parts of our day. But not every family can break through that Hey, how was your day? You know, type of mundane routine and really get into that conversation flowing. So what advice could you give us there in really diving deeper around that dinner table? Not only can not everybody do that, but sometimes when your kids reach that snarky age and you say, what was the best part of the day? Some kids might say, and I'm saying this from personal experience, mom, if it was really good, I would have already told you about it. Smart kid. So so as a general rule at the dinner table, I don't like asking, how was your day? Who did you help? Who were you kind to? I don't like that Um, because a lot of times the kids get so used to hearing the question, they don't really give you a meaningful answer. And if they do, great. You know, kudos to you. That's fantastic. I'm not saying that, you know, it's a bad thing. I'm just saying that doesn't work for everybody. So I like to have games up my sleeve, conversation topics up my sleeve, because when you're playing a game, it's or having a conversation that you've already planned out a little bit in your mind, it serves so many purposes. It gets your kids talking without realizing the information they're divulging about themselves or their interests. And also, if you have young kids who are, I don't like the term picky eaters, I'll call them selective eaters. If they're engaged at the table, they have less reason to be resistant about the food that's in front of them. You know, if you're sitting there at the table with nothing to talk about with your family and you want them to eat the broccoli and they're saying no, your entire meal is a power struggle. And then everybody goes away miserable and then you feel like a failure and you're stressed and nobody wants that. So go armed with something. So easy, easy things you can do. Get some Mad Libs. Play Mad Libs at the table. You know, it's not distract, and also no phones at the table ever. 
Um, but so if you have Mad Libs and if your kids are really, really young and they don't know what a noun is, you say, I need a name of a person, a place or a thing, you know, or or something that's colorful, you know, instead of saying an adjective. And then you can read them. And then the kids, A, it gets them thinking, it gets them to be having an imagination. Wonderful. Mad Libs, simple, 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 simple. No matter how old or young they are, you can play Mad Libs. Another thing you can do is round robin stories. And the way you do that is somebody starts the story. Once upon a time, there was blah, 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 blah. And you give about two or three sentences to get the story going. Then the next person adds to your story. And then after they say a little bit, the next person adds to that. So you have no idea where the story is going to go. But it gives your kids a chance to use their imagination. And it gives you a chance to see how they think and how they are creative and how they can um, come up with ideas because you always want your kids to feel empowered with their thoughts. So now they're all part of making this wonderful story and then go around once, go around twice, or you know, you can give up whenever you want, but it's a great thing to do. Round Robin stories are a lot of fun. Another thing you can do is play a game called Headbands and you don't have to buy the game, it's really simple. Um, you can make little like index cards and draw, if your kids don't read words yet, you can just put a picture on it. You can cut it out from a, you know, print it out, whatever you want to do. The person who is it takes a card without looking at it and puts it on their forehead with the picture out. So everybody can see what the picture is except the person holding it. And they have to ask questions to figure out what it's a picture of. So if it was an apple, you know, they could say, hey, it's a bigger than the house, it, you know, whatever. It's a 20 questions game. And again, you're teaching your kids how to think. You're teaching your kids reasoning. You're teaching your kids logic. And everybody else is cracking up because you know how far away their questions are from what they're, what they're trying to figure out. It can be done with any age. Really great game. So when I work with, with, with mostly moms and we're talking about a menu or we're talking about meal planning, we're also kind of figuring out what can we play in conjunction with this meal. So sometimes when you're doing a meal plan and you're saying, you know, I don't know what to do today. There's a silly food holiday for every day of the year. So sometimes with, you know, I'll tell the parents, well, do you know, today is X day. Let's make a meal around it and let's make conversation around it. And I'll give you an example of that. There was a place in California many, many years ago as an advertising agency. And on the top of their building, they had this huge statue. I mean, like three life sizes of maybe more of a person. The whole it was a man except for its head. And the head was a chicken. And it was called Chicken Boy. Really bizarre, but it's an advertising agency. And um, when I guess at some point they moved and whoever bought the building wanted to take down this hideous Chicken Boy statue. And the town said, no, we love it so much. It's like our icon. And the town people got together to pay for it to come down and put it in the park. And not only that, but they created Chicken Boy Day. And they have a, a celebration every, I think it's September 5th for Chicken Boy Day. So if I'm working with somebody and it's beginning of September, I say, let's have a chicken boy day and I'll give them some ideas for chicken recipes. And then we'll talk about the conversation you could have that would go with it. Conversation topics could be things like if you were half boy or girl and have something else, what would the other half be? Why would you be that? Would you have any superpowers? What would those superpowers be? So you can take the conversation that way. Again, you're getting your kids to think, to imagine, and really just be themselves in a very non-pretentious way and relaxed. You could have a, a different conversation about when you're older, depending on the age of your kids, 
What would be your favorite toy that you would always want to save forever? And why? What makes it special? So, you know, so there's so many ways you could have a conversation or have a play a game, or it could be, um, let's talk about our family folklore day, you know, and then you could pick out that time when your crazy uncle did something crazy. So now you're passing down memories that your kids didn't experience, but now they have. So the goal is to make your meals memorable in very easy ways. That brings a whole new meaning to playing with your food at the table. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, I I want to take some of these already that you've just shared with us and incorporate them in in our own dinner. We do do, you mentioned it, which I full heartedly agree with, of no technology at the table, no electronics at the table. Uh, However... With that said, when we go out to eat, you know, they have all the the things to try to get your attention everywhere else, whether it be the little tablets you can play games on or just, you know, getting caught up looking around. And so that is the only time I'll bring out my phone. And we have two apps downloaded. One is very similar to the headband game that you mentioned. It's called Heads Up and it's a free download. And then another one, I believe it's called Conversation Starters. And you can even choose what category uh, your ages of kids are and it, mm-hmm. and it walks you through different things. And, and I love Love things like that, but I hadn't thought about bringing that at home and doing some of the things that you had suggested. So I'll, I'll have to start incorporating those. You know, I have to tell you, so my kids are a little older at this point and my son was dating somebody and he invited her over for dinner. And I said to her, did my son tell you that we play games at the table? And she said, yes. And I said, did he also tell you that you're going to be expected to play with us? <laughs> and she said, yes. And I will tell you, It made it so much easier for her to be relaxed, for us to be relaxed with her. Um, And it's a great way to forge a relationship with somebody. So if your kids have, you know, sleepovers or or kids coming over, or even you could do it with relatives when they come over when you don't know what to do and you don't want to talk politics. Um, But it was really great. And and it's just um, now my kids' friends come over and they'll say, what are we playing with dinner? Or my kids, when it comes to be dinner time, my kids will say to me, what are we playing tonight, mom? And like I said, they're older, but it makes them want to stay at the table. It's not, you don't want them to like scarf down their food and run away. They hang and they play. That's great. Now, Linda, we really like to help our listeners with one major takeaway from listening. But as you mentioned earlier, you actually have a special free gift for listeners today. Is that correct? I do. I have... um, an ebook called Easy One Dish Dinners. And in it, you'll get very, very easy recipes to make dinner very quickly with almost no cleanup. It's everything in one pan or one pot or on one sheet. And once you get used to doing the methods for these things, you'll be able to start changing the ingredients and repeating the techniques for other foods. So you'll be vastly improving your dinner repertoire. Awesome. Sign me up. I'm excited to read that. So thank you so much for offering that to us. And listeners will make sure to have that information to that link in the show notes. So thank you again. Now, Linda, here on Holly's Highlights, we have a signature question. If you could go back and encourage, inspire, or equip yourself as a child, what would you tell your young self? I would tell myself, believe you can do it and then you will. And I say this because, you know, I did start out as a terrible cook. I did get banned from cooking for my family. And instead of saying, oh, man, I'm a terrible cook. Woe is me. I took it as a challenge. I said, listen, I can learn this. I believed in myself. And I said, game on. 
And my advice to, to my old self, my new self, and my, my future self is believe you can do it and then just do it. You know, especially when it comes to food and dinner, it doesn't have to be complex to be delicious. You just have to know the tips and the tricks. And that's really what I'm there for. Beautiful. It doesn't have to be complex to be delicious. Now, where can our listeners connect with you? Oh, I'm all over the place. Uh, I have a Facebook group called Easy Weeknight Dinners for Busy Moms. So it's a free group and I do demonstrations in there. We have all kinds of fun. I'm going to be doing a a game with prizes around cooking uh, in the near future. So feel free to join in that. I have a website, Balabusta's Secret. I have an Instagram account, balabustas.secret. And I have a Facebook um, page, Balabusta's Secret. So mostly Balabusta, but you'll see all the links in the notes. Awesome. Linda, this has been so much fun. And of course, full of fabulous tips and tricks, which I can't wait to start implementing tonight. So thank you so much for helping encourage, inspire, and definitely equip us today. I appreciate you. Oh, thank you. And everybody go out there and make it fun and make it delicious. Thank you for joining me on this journey of life. I hope that today's highlight has been encouraging, inspiring, and equipping so you can go out and live your life full of purpose. I'd be honored if you'd take a moment to leave a review or better yet, subscribe. We can also stay in touch by joining my email list at hollycurby.com. That's H-O-L-L-Y. C-U-R-B-Y dot com. Until next time, make it a great day for a great day.